Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God, Pastor Larry Sterling. We invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. We don't know all of this story because for the most part, it's still classified. And But in, after the bombing of 2001 by planes, not bombing, but they flew into all the the buildings, the United States of America went into battle in Afghanistan shortly thereafter to hunt down Osama bin Laden. I got to be careful because I got, his name is really close to another name and I don't want to say the wrong one. To hunt down Osama bin Laden. And he he was being sheltered by the Taliban, which had taken over Afghanistan. And so the Americans had gotten uh, some maps from the former Soviet Union, and the, the Russians had been in this country, and they had been in there for several, several years in the 1980s, and for the most part, they weren't very successful in doing what their mission was about. And but they had mapped out some things, and the reality was is that they were that these soldiers of ours were functioning under 20-year-old maps for the most part that were probably wrong to some situation. And so we had some special forces teams that were down in there doing any number of missions, again that were classified that we don't know about. But there's one particular mission that that we do know about. But we have no reason to know why they're there. We don't know why they were there. We just know that they were there. And they were in this this time in 2002 in a battle. And uh, hovering above them, these 22 special forces uh, soldiers, hovering above them was two A-10 fighter craft, uh, uh, airplanes. And these aren't the uh, fighter jets that you see that have the the, have the strength to just go fast and go forward. They're, they're, uh, they're nicknamed the Warthog because there's nothing glorious about them, but they're like a tank in the sky. And they're up there as air support for these infantry or, the, excuse me, these special forces that are below. Now, what is happening is that the, they, the clouds, it's nighttime, and the clouds have rolled in into this area, and these A-10 fighters, there are two of them, they cannot see their, their soldiers below. Normally, what they do is they come around them, and they are easily visible by the special forces so that they will have comfort to know that they're there. Well, the clouds had rolled in. It was night, and the only thing you could see by the planes, uh, what the pilots testified, were the stars that were dotting the sky and the moon that was there that night. And so these single, these uh, uh, single-seated planes were there. The guy, the the soldiers, the, the the captains of those things were wearing night visions, and they were listening to the radio, trying to see how their team was doing on the ground 
They hadn't heard of anything going on. They had not heard of, uh, of any noise in the radio. And yet during this time, they were, they, the, the, these fighter pilots were very concerned because no check-ins, no anything. And they were just listening. And so finally at one point, a guy, Lieutenant Flynn was the guy's name, who was hovering over them, was the lead. His, his call sign was Johnny Bravo for whatever reason. And so this Bravo character was there listening and then finally he heard the phrase troops in contact. What that means is that the troops that were on the ground had come in contact with forces. So he has two options. Stay where he is and and keep safety with his wingmen or go below the surface of the clouds and take take the dangerous flight down through the clouds to see and put his eyes upon his men. If he does that, the walls of the mountains that are around them, he could easily crash into any of those because he does not have sight. As he dives down, now in those days the the the, the technology is different. That was 15 years ago. Today, technology in some of these planes will prevent the plane from crashing into a mountain. They won't it won't allow that to take place in some of them. But in those days, you had to fly by the seat of your pants. And so he dove down. He didn't stay above the clouds. He dove down. And the story goes that it was a, he didn't see them until he was about a thousand feet off the ground. And when he reached about a thousand feet off the ground, he looked all through this valley and instantly determined that his troop, his, his men were surrounded by infantry fire all the way around him. In fact, he would say that the tracer fires, the, the, the fire that follows the bullets was lighting up the valley and it was all zeroing in on a particular location. And he said when he testified, it wasn't hard to figure out where his men were because everybody was shooting the one area and so as they they were in this dark night he has his night goggles on so really what he's seeing is a bunch of of green around him he's focused on his men so he he takes his instrument panel and he gauges how close he is to the mountainside and he begins to unload his weapons on the closest area to him where it looks like fire is coming and so he goes and he counts to himself one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand four and then he pulls up on the stick and when he pulls up on the stick he does a g-force turn that pushes Pushes him back into his seat, which brings him up into the clouds. And then he repeatedly did it over and over and over again until he ran out of ammunition. And then, but once he ran out of ammunition, he realized the horrific truth that he didn't finish the job. So his wingman was going to have to fly with him. So he tells his wingman all of what's going on and he speaks to them and he speaks to him and tells and describes the situation. He says, you follow me exactly the way I go in. I will count. And when I get to a certain number, you pull up. 
and you just focus on firing. So then he took his wingman and led him down into the valley. And they went through this, went through this and, and he unloaded all of his armament upon all those soldiers. And eventually they've succeeded in their mission and all 22 of the special forces that were surrounded by, by enemy infantry were delivered that day in that moment. Now this guy, Johnny Bravo, as he was called, nine was uh, call sign was called. He didn't receive a medal. He didn't receive any kind of recognition. He didn't. He didn't do anything that he didn't receive anything of notability other than it was. I'm telling you this story right now. The reason why though is that he said that he doesn't want any kind of recognition because that's what he was there to do. It wasn't about making him famous. It was about doing his job and making sure that these men came home to their families. And so when we understand our country, we live in a world of selfless men and women. We live in a world where people put their lives on the line for everybody on a regular basis. We find, we find people that we look at them and you would say, man, I'm not sure they deserve it. That's right. They don't deserve it. But they do it because they feel the call to them. We, we should honor our soldiers and those that have fought for freedom that you enjoy today. Many of us have no idea what they did on the battlefield, and we don't probably would not want to know what happened during those times. But I want to tell you, I told you that story because I want to take you into the scripture of Luke's gospel chapter 3. And when I heard that story, I, I found it fascinating that the, it, it, the, the Bible took me, the Holy Spirit took me straight to Luke 20, uh, Luke 3, verse 21 and 22. Now, on the outside, it may not seem as if this, this stories correlate, but let's look at it again. Luke 3, 21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was open. First thing you need to see, John the Baptist is baptizing people and he is getting them ready for the coming of Jesus. He is preparing the way as scripturally mandated and prophetically given. He is ready to, to, to have these individuals ready to receive Jesus when Jesus comes upon the scene, when the Messiah shows up. And so while they were being baptized, Jesus shows up into the midst of them. And you know the story about him being baptized. And then while he prayed, the heaven was open. Now I want you to understand something. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our high priest. What does that mean? That means that right now, today... Jesus is praying for you in the presence of the Father. That's what it means. Hebrews tells us in the whole book, that's what it's about, of Jesus being our high priest. And so if you understand that Jesus is your high priest, and Jesus is praying for you right now, don't you understand that heaven is open right now for you? For you, 
Because Jesus is praying for you. If you call your, if you, the Holy Spirit has come in and he has spoken to your soul and convicted you and you receive Jesus as your Savior and you asked him to forgive you of your sins, the Bible tells us that now heaven is open. In Ephesians 1, 3, every heavenly blessing is yours today, right now. If you have need of anything, Anything at all. When Jesus is praying for you, the heavens are open. This morning before you got out of bed, this morning before your eyes even opened, and while your mind was still in an unconscious state, you, you don't realize that your Savior was already blanketing your day with prayer. He was already looking at the traps that the enemy had set before you. And the Bible tells us that he was all, that he is making a way of escape before the trap was ever set. Before you ever encountered your trouble, you already have your freedom. You already have your victory. Before you ever seen the trial, before you ever seen the issue, he'd already given you your way out and the way of escape. Heaven is open to you today because He's praying for you. Now what we see here in this situation, while this is going on and while this is happening, the Bible tells us in verse 22, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Now here we see the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven, descended in bodily form like a dove. Now, in, in, in the essence of this, we, we kind of get this in our mindset. We gotta, we kind of see a dove just kind of floating down. Just like this, just headed down to Jesus. At least that's what I have in my mind. He's headed down to the Lord and letting the wind currents kind of take him down to Jesus. Because that's what we see in the natural on a regular basis. That means that the dove is subject to the current of the wind. You hear me? That means the dove is subject to the current of the wind. But the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit is the wind and he blows where he wishes and does what he wants to do so this dove is not subject to the wind because he controls the wind now here we find something very important about this because this word descended is just not floating down it means in our understanding like if you would repel down a side of a cliff That means that you jump from one end and jump down one after the other after the other. It is a military term talking about descending down. It's not just a gentle time of gliding down to the moment. It's saying there are obstacles between heaven and where you are, but the Holy Spirit is descending down where you are. 
Now, what you realize when you see that he's in control of the wind and he's in control of what's going on, that and that heaven is open. The first thing, the first step is knowing that my God looks where you are. He sees you in your time of need. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in the midst of, of, of your suffering. He has not forsaken you and the heaven has opened up. I mean, can you, you remember some of those times that that you you know that you know that that you something good was about to happen you know that devil you better get me while i'm here because the moment that my prayer hits my savior's ear and that heaven opens up and you think that you put this between you and me and him and me and you put this trial and you put this depression and you put this suffering and you put all this between my God and where I am. I'm here to tell you that God knows me right where I am and it does not matter what's between me and him. He can reach me where I am. Amen. Let me tell you, the, the, the blessing was already there even before the, the, the voice from heaven showed up. Even before the world heard the voice. The heaven, because heaven opened up and the Spirit came down. I'm telling you that before you even heard the voice, you're already going to walk out of here in victory. Before you ever seen it with your eyes, you're already victorious because heaven is open for the love of God today you see just like that fighter pilot that was up there waiting for the words the right moment it doesn't matter what's between him and the soldiers on the ground he's going to go down and he's going to rescue his his brothers in arms he's not going to let them go by themselves and die alone on the battlefield as long as there's breath in his body he took a humongous chance in his own life but he did his job and he helped save these men i'm here to tell you that when you know that doesn't matter what's between you and your miracle it doesn't matter what's between you and your destiny it doesn't matter what the enemy has put in front of you as long as you hold on to jesus you're going to be victorious and he can descend down through any trial through any struggle through any issue that you're facing today and you will overcome by the blood of jesus christ as long as jesus is your king amen i titled this message one word and i've preached different messages titled by this word because i just like it and it's the word called through it does I like the word through. Through means that I'm going through something. It doesn't mean that I'm going to stay there. It just means it's expecting an end to the situation. When someone tells you I'm going through a trial, you need to, so they usually mean by that, that the trial is surrounding them. I want you, when you say I'm going through a trial, that may, that all you are doing is acknowledging that the trial exists, but you're literally expecting the end to come to you in your life i'm going through it 
I'm not staying in it. I'm not hanging out here and I'm not around. I'm not going to put my address in this trial. I'm not giving the enemy credit that I'm, that I somehow moved to a trial. No, I'm going to, I started on this path and I'm going through this thing, but I'm literally going through this thing. The fire is around me, but my savior is standing in front of me. The waters are coming up beside me, but I'm walking through this thing. I will make it to the end because he has promised me in Jeremiah 29 11 that he's going to give me a future and a hope. I'm going through it. I'm going to finish it. And if anything's blocking me in my way out, he will send his Holy Spirit down through the clouds into where I am to get me on to the other side. Amen. When you are When you understand the word through, you recognize Moses going through the Red Sea. The Red Sea was certainly a a trial. It was certainly a struggle. It was certainly something that that was enormous in front of them. And God did not lead them into the middle of the Red Sea just to let the walls of water fall right back down on them. No. When you're in the middle of a trial, I want you to hear something in in my spirit that God is speaking to somebody this morning. If your God who knows every step that you take, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. If he has allowed you to go through this trial, I'm telling you, you literally are going through it. You will find the other side of the shore. You will not die in the trial because the trial then would get the victory. But with Jesus, you're going to make it to the other side. You shall go down into the trial, but you shall come out. One thing Uh, You went in one thing. You went in fearful. You went in afraid. You went in wondering how you're going to make it. You went in with Pharaoh chasing you down. But I'm here to tell you when your feet hit that shore on the other side, it's going to be a time of dancing. It's going to be a time of rejoicing. And you don't care what anybody else says because they weren't with you in the middle of the Red Sea. And they weren't there when the night was long and you didn't know how you were going to do it. You were just trusting in God that you were going to do it and you get up and you have that crazy praise where you don't care what anybody says about you and what they've spoken over you you know that Jesus has brought you through amen over and over scripture tells us over and over the Bible speaks to us that the uh, of blessing let me read to you a few 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about the body of the dying, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. What does that mean? That means that I know I'm going through a trial. I know I'm going through something and I, and there's something in me that needs to die. But when something dies, 
Jesus is going to make something alive. When something lets go of this world, He's going to release something in the heavenlies. He's going to give you that blessing. You're in a trial not to overtake you and not to destroy you, but to get you to another level of blessing that you had not before received until the trial brought something out of you. What is that? What? That is the life of Jesus Christ. You went through the trial, but you come out saying, my faith was a little weaker a little bit ago and I went through the fire but now I know it's the Lord who is on my side and if it had not been for the Lord that rescued me out of the mouth of the lion out of the mouth of the bear out of the mouth of the Goliath I would have surely died but God has pulled me out God has rescued me God has set me free and it's the Lord that is on my side and something inside of you gets born again all over again you get excited and you don't care what anybody thinks about you when you get in the house of God you don't care when someone says something about you you're going to rejoice the Lord all day long I learned this firsthand. I've told you this story before. Many years ago, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and the Lord healed her in that moment. In fact, it was, it was, uh, the healing took place uh, even between the last x-ray before they went into surgery and the, uh, or whatever they did, uh, ultrasound or whatever. The last, the last thing that they looked at the tumor to make sure they were going in the right spot. And then when they got to the surgeon's table, it was gone. And that it was, the doctor came out and says, I can show you right there. That's where it is. I can show you right here. It's not there anymore. And I didn't take it out. When my mama got her healing, when she came to church, she didn't care what you thought. She got up. It was a Sunday night. I could still see her dancing in that, in that white dress. My mom is a very reserved person. You've probably seen that a few times they visited. She doesn't do this. But when she got up that day and she began to glorify God, I'm telling you, she didn't care what people were whispering around you. And I'm sure there was probably people whispering about about what she was doing. But she just started praising God. And then she started lapping the church. She didn't care. She's in high heels and a dress running around the church just shouting. I mean, didn't dance. Then the Holy Ghost, when she got tired, the Holy Ghost took over. I watched it with my eyes. I was in college. And the Holy Ghost took over and gave her strength to run some more. She just began to shout all over the place and rejoice and be glad that God had delivered her in that moment. What was going to probably kill her was removed by the blood of Jesus Christ and she didn't care what you thought about her. Because it wasn't you that she was there to praise. It wasn't me that she was there to encourage. She was there to tell the Lord how lovely He was. How glorious He is. How mighty He is. How majestic is His name. How on time of a God He was. How He was there and He waited for the last time so that the doctor would know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's a power in heaven that has the last word on all the saints of God. He let everybody know 
know that it's only the Lord that was on her side. I'm here to tell you we need to stop muting our praise because if it had not been for Jesus, none of us would be here to start with. We got to get praising back in our souls, in our minds because we're not here for each other. We're here to worship the Lord and the Lord Most High. Had He not been for us, your kids would have been in drugs. Your son would have been an alcoholic. But God took over and held your hand and brought you out. And God lifted you up. And God set you free. You should never come to this place with nothing to praise God about. Had it not been for God, you've been in lost and you're out of your mind somewhere in a gutter. But God, seeing the advanced portion of the enemy in your life, pulled you out, set you free, and now you're in your right mind worshiping God. I'm telling you, you should pray. Praise the Lord all day, every day, because God fought your battle. Amen. Go ahead and come to the piano, brother. Hear me tonight, this morning. You are going through it. That doesn't mean I'm in it. That means I'm coming to the other side of it. Doesn't mean that I'm going to stay here. When I say I'm going through it, I mean I'm literally coming out on the other side. If I started walking down this aisle, I'm telling you I'm walking through this aisle. doesn't mean I'm going to stop there and give up. It means that I'm coming to that door and I expect to be at that door in a couple seconds. I may have to go this way and I may have to go that way, but I'm going through it and I'm going to make it to the other side. I will not allow what's between me and my blessing to prevent me from getting to where God has taken me. You need to realize that you're going through it but what it is is not going to take you out whatever it is is not going to destroy you it's going to all the devil came in and he had a perfect plan to kill you and Jesus did something enormous he allowed a part of you to die so that he could resurrect a part of you that be stronger than it was before you walked in you got to get that. There's some of you, as Paul says, there's part of you that needs to die. The part of the flesh that prevents the blessing of the Lord from coming in. Sometimes trials uh, are there for that purpose so that part would die. But then that you would see the blessing and the glory of God that would come on the other side and bring you to where you are headed and the path that you are going in. So I walk when I walk, I know I'm going through. I'm not staying. I'm going to get my miracle. I'm not going to stay in the problem. I'm going to come to the other side. Because heaven's open. And Jesus is praying. And I've got victory. And so do you. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.